This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. The cost of hydro has been a huge ongoing issue and it started before the upcoming election was even a twinkle in anyone's eye. The government's solution, as we all know, was to reduce rates by 25% using borrowed money. The criticism has always been that it will actually increase the cost of hydro by about $4 billion, and that's money our children and grandchildren will still be paying back. What's more, this borrowing is not showing up on Ontario's books as a liability. That's how the government managed to claim that the books were balanced in the fiscal year that ended in March 2018. The Auditor General flagged this in her report earlier this year, and now it's becoming a major election issue. Remember last week's war of words between Kathleen Wynne and Doug Ford when she compared him to Donald Trump? That was over a comment he made regarding this accounting. Now we are going to try to take the politics out of it and get the story from the Auditor General herself, Bonnie Lissick. Bonnie Lissick, thank you so much for being with us. Hello? Hello? Uh, There is a little bit of a problem. Uh, Hello? Auditor General thank, Bonnie Lissick. Thank you for. Hello? We just lost her again. Thank Hello? Thank you for inviting me. Okay, thank you. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, so, uh, this is becoming a major election issue. Uh, take us back to when you first learned about this accounting. Uh, how did you find out about it, and uh, what was your reaction? Um, last year, uh, we, we usually send out letters to organizations that uh, prepare financial statements that consolidate into the government's financial statements. And in around uh, March 2017, uh, we became aware that um, there was a change in accounting policy in one of those entities that consolidates the independent electricity system operator. And uh, we saw a transaction on their statements that we couldn't understand why it was there. And uh, then during the next few months, we followed up on that to learn more about what had happened and, and then became aware that um, there was, um, I guess, um, you know, there was the desire, the government had the desire to reduce rates for consumers, and that's fine, that's a policy decision. But uh, we became aware that there was... Um, accounting financing design uh, that was meant to keep the, uh, put in place, that was meant to keep the bottom line of the government statements from showing an increase in the deficit, and also uh, the debt, um, net debt amount would not go up because the, of the way the transaction had been strategized. Uh, do you know uh, where this came from? Like, who came up with that? 
Um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was developed. Um, I think the, the, the need to do something for electricity rates came out of the Ministry of Energy. I mean, I think they were probably mandated uh, to identify ways in which that could be done. And through Ministry of Energy, working with finance in the province of Ontario, working with the controller's office, and working with the independent electricity system operator, um, you know, they determined how they could put in place an accounting financing design that would do what was asked uh, to be done, and that's keep the bottom line from showing the impact of it. Um, do you have a, a thought on, uh, I mean, it's civil servants that carried it out, not political uh, people. Why would they have uh, agreed to something like that? Well, I think, you know, I, I think it probably was, um, you know, a decision at the end of the day that was made by government and government staff members. And uh, uh, the administration is there to serve the government. And and uh, they went about the work in order to design something that they thought um, you know, could give the government the answer they wanted. I, I think the the one thing I want to clarify is that it's always been referred to as an accounting issue, and and an issue of rate regulated accounting, and and it's not that at all. It really is the fact that the government created legislation that created an asset that they want to record on statements versus the use of rate-regulated accounting. And I think that's an important distinction because at the, consolid- at the government level for financial statements, um, you know, that would be like the government creating their own transaction to put on their st- statements. Uh, just to, I mean, I think it's a, a, a little difficult for a lot of people to wrap their heads around this complicated uh, issue, but um, is that, in effect... Uh, saying that uh, this money, this $4 billion, uh, they recorded that as an asset because they were going to be collected, uh, it was going to be collected later. I've seen it described, there was an excellent uh, article on this in the Globe and Mail this weekend, as accounts receivable on steroids, correct? Um, Well, there's, there's a couple things there. One, the $4 billion that's being referenced is the uh, the financial accountability officer's estimated cost of what the additional interest will be over the term of the Fair Hydro Plan um, because of the way the accounting and financing was designed. So ratepayers at the end of the day will end up paying more in order to um, fit in order for I guess the financial accounting solution to give the government what it wants. So. What we're saying is there's no value for money in this transaction because it's costing more in interest than it needs to. And the $4 billion is an estimate that was calculated, um, you know, last year. If, if things change and interest can be borrowed cheaper, it might be less. But the, the reason that $4 billion was was known to potentially be a cost is because this design of accounting and financing needed to be put in place. The overall cost for the Fair Hydro Plan is um, about $39.4 billion over um, a period of time. So between 2017 and and 2021, the government will borrow about $10.6 billion and incur interest of $1.4 billion. 
okay? Between 2021 and 28, they will borrow $7.8 billion and, and pay $6.4 billion in interest. And so in total, this transaction, and in phase three, they'll pay another $13 billion in interest as they pay back or collect from people in the future $39 billion. So there's $21 billion being paid in interest, in order to reduce rates by $18.4 billion. Wow. Uh, now, uh, this type of, okay, um, you're saying it's not just an accounting issue, but this type of accounting is used in the private sector, is it not? Um, there's, in the private sector, a U.S. accounting uh, and in, in another accounting framework in the private sector, you will see rate-regulated accounting used. And, and that's fine. What we have here is we don't have an independent regulator. We don't have one somebody that heard a case as to what's the best way to charge rates for consumers. What we have is a government passing a piece of legislation, creating an asset, which really is creating, calling something an asset, um, they have expenses they have to pay to power generators, and as those expenses are incurred, they borrow money to pay the generators, and they want to call that an asset. So it's like taking an expense and Mm -hmm. calling it an asset through legislation, and then calling it rate-regulated accounting, when really there is no rate regulator. Okay, uh, I'm I'm just uh, reading a question from a, a caller who is sure. waiting patiently on the phone, and her question is, is what they did legal? So f- from what you're telling me, they uh, passed a law making it legal. That's right. They passed a law that basically said they could create um, a, a regulatory asset through legislation, Right. But we audit, when we audit the government, we make sure that their accounting is in accordance with public sector accounting standards in Canada. And those standards say that you need an independent rate regulator before you can call something a rate-regulated asset. So you need a regulator to make a decision. The Ontario Energy Board did not have a say in this decision. It was strictly a government policy decision. Uh, and so, are you saying that that amounts to the to it actually being illegal? Um, I'm saying that in terms of accounting standards in Canada, it's not appropriate. Um, in terms of it's it's wrong because there is no rate regulated asset here. So it's like wanting to put something on your statements, um, and you control everything. So you can pick any bottom line you want. So it's creating a piece of legislation that allows you to do that. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, you were in touch with other, other auditors general uh, in other provinces, right, to yes. get their take on this? Tell me yes. about that. Uh, yes. My colleagues um, across Canada uh, each gave me a letter indicating that, um, uh, that um, well, this was not um, correct that uh, when a government uses uh, a set of statements that are prepared under Canadian accounting rules, um, it cannot create its own asset and book its own asset 
and uh, there is no rate-regulated asset that is permitted to be used on government statements in Canada. Uh, why did you feel you needed letters from other auditors general that they weren't going to take uh, your word for it? You are the auditor general, are you not? Um, yes, but you know, I also think that it is good to get different views. You know, we need to make sure that we're right because it's important. Uh, we also went to three national accounting firms we also and who agreed with us. We also went to the retired director of the Public Sector Accounting Standards Board, who also agreed to us. And then I also asked the views of um, a retired Auditor General from BC and Saskatchewan. And so I thought we needed a preponderance of evidence to support our view, because um, as you know, probably on the pension issue, um, the government had determined that they needed to set up a panel to sort of publicly oppose my office on the pension accounting issue. And I was preparing for for that. Um, and I thought the best thing would be is to make sure we do have it right and we have a preponderance of evidence. We had it right on the pension issue. We still do, and we have evidence there as well. But, um, you know, that one... Um, that one, I guess, played out a different way. But this is this is a significant issue that could affect accounting in Canada. Um, you know, if governments in Canada can pass legislation to call expenses assets, then, you know, what is the bottom line? It's meaningless then. Uh, and um, what's the danger of this? So, first of all, uh, you know, the government said the books were balanced. Uh, what was the actual deficit in your view? Well, we're still, we still have not audited uh, 1718. The year ended March 31st, 2018. So we will be doing that over the course of the next few months, um, and issuing our opinion will be well after the election. Um, but what we did do last year is when we finished the audit, and uh, I signed the audit opinion, the audit opinion gave uh, the public, the members, the government, the heads up, that should they go ahead and continue to pursue recording the Fair Hydro Plan in the way that they've represented they were going to, that that could have serious consequences on the audit opinion for this coming up, this year end that we're in now. And do you think it has future implications for our credit rating, for the believability of our books, things like that? Well, I think the implication is that when you look at a budget and it's balanced, you assume that all the expenses are recorded. And, you know, you know, people in the legislature make decisions based on that. Um, the public make decisions based on that. And so not recording expenses could perhaps cause inappropriate decisions to be made. It makes it look like you have more money than you do. It makes it look like you have less debt than you do. Um, finally, um, is the government uh, kind of at war with you? I mean, I've heard a lot of things said about you uh, that were pretty strong. Um, you know, I wouldn't say they're at war. I mean, I think the thing in this situation is, I mean, when we're posed with the situation like this in the office, we have a choice, right? We either ignore it and let it go ahead, or we realize that it's wrong and we take a position. So, you know, it's not me as the Auditor General. I have a lot of staff in my office. I have the an advisory panel and I have, you know, outside outside experts as well that work with us. So, you know, we took the position on this accounting issue. Now, does the government like it? Probably not. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing that. 
and you know I, I'm not I'm not um, it's not a personal thing it's more this is a situation where our office is responsible for ensuring that all MPPs and the citizens in Ontario receive the correct financial information and you know we're doing our job okay Bonnie Lissick Auditor General thanks so much for being with us okay thank you very much for having me okay bye 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 Okay, uh, we are going to take a couple of calls. Um, Joyce in Scarborough. Hi, Joyce. Hi. Okay, we lost that call. Uh, We've got Tom in Burlington. Hello, Tom. Good good afternoon. I love your show. Thank you very much. Boy, this is just getting to be such a fiasco, eh? And everyone's sitting there going to wonder, who do we vote for? Keep voting for Liberal. The last time a fiasco like this was pulled was pulled by Enron down in the States. And everybody there went to jail. I want to see who's going to go to jail up here for fudging the books. Uh, Well, uh, if you were listening to the Auditor General, she said that it's not correct, but the government passed a law uh, making this legal so oh, yeah that's fine i mean it's like us being out there and when we get to dictate what we get to declare on our income tax so we're all going to declare the top water coming through and all our expenses to live in our house so we're going to rewrite our bill our, our our rules too you can't do that the rules are the rules but the government because it's them they they can turn around and twist things around so it's in their favor Okay, and well, that's what people have to wake up and look at. Okay, thanks for your call, Tom. Appreciated. Okay, Joyce in Scarborough. Hi, Joyce. Uh, hi, Libby. I think, um, like, uh, people should applaud uh, Bonnie Lizick and her um, department. I mean, like the last guy said, uh, you rewrite the rules and you pass legislation to say black is white. Come on. This, this, uh, it's unbelievable, but I do believe it. And uh, thank you, Bonnie, for doing what you've done. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for that, Joyce. Pardon okay. me? I said thanks, Joyce. Bye-bye. Um, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking uh, to former MPP Frank Cleese. He has another complaint about what the government is doing. And we will hear all about that when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.